1: Right, six talking points to get through this week, two minutes on each. We will start with David Ellsworth who picked up a £1,400 fine, second offence for double declaring a horse at Newmarket in Kempton this week and he spoke out against it on Racing TV. Cornelius, was the VHA uh, yeah. right to give him 1400 quid? Well, I don't know about the rights and wrongs of the levels of the fine, but,
2: but they, the, 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 the rule as I understand it that once you're in at 9.30 you can't come out again mm. was pushed for at least partly by the National Trainers Federation. And on the face of it, it's quite a good idea because they didn't want the, their office staff and themselves playing a sort of game of chicken all the way through the last half hour before declaration time, and it wasted a lot of time uh, and effort. Clearly, as a, one trainer said to me yesterday, there is a flaw to this. That if a race is being approached, which uh, you might not get in, then you should have the you should have some kind of a measure where you can say, well, look, I want to go in race A, but if I can't go in race A, can mm-hmm. I go in race B? Which is what David Ellsworth. Would was effectively saying if he wasn't going to get into the Newmarket race, he wanted to go into a race at Kempton. So it's only still being piloted, as I understand this this scheme, and it is one of the things that they'll definitely uh, be trying to sort out. But I must say, I love that interview with you and David Ellsworth at Newmarket on was it Wednesday? Mm. He he said, he, uh, typically entertaining Elsie, the, the 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 great guide of Desert Orchid and in the groove and all these great horses. Uh, when but uh, he's been called many things over the years, and when he said. You know, I'm a bit thick. They ought to realise I'm a bit thick. The one thing he's never been called is yeah, a bit thick. I did suggest to him that that was a poor defence because it wouldn't be... 80 believable. years old before Christmas and absolutely running on uh, as stoutly
1: as ever. How have you found your relationship with racing's professionals, Simon, especially some of the older... Um, established brigade.
0: Well, like like any racing fan, I love you know dealing with them. Uh, I own horses and going to the yards and all the rest of it. Um, when you're dealing on the kind of um, the the ins and outs of the administration of the sport, um, they can be challenging sometimes because they're quite often the people who are directly affected by things like the the rules and regulations, and um, and they're not shy of, of uh, coming out about it. And sometimes sometimes they you know there's not one one fixed theme they can disagree with each other, and sometimes we get stuck in the middle as from the racecourse side, but. I, I've always enjoyed dealing with with the trainers. I mean, they're very passionate and love the sport, don't
1: they? Just put a quick footnote, um, the the big fine was because it was his second offence. Yes, second offence, exactly. Um, Let's talk about uh, entries because this is very much a a subject in the news because the Vert and Futurity attracted 12. uh, entries at the five-day stage, 11 of whom were trained by Aidan O'Brien the race has been reopened we know to be run at Newcastle as we heard from Aidan on Friday evening. Rafe Beckett said that the early closing stage was uh, too prohibitive and didn't allow trainers with late-developing two-year-olds to to get horses into the race. What do you think about that? Uh, d- uh, d- you know, d- early closing races have been
2: part of racing life forever. Uh, I'm not entirely sure, sort of why. Um, you, you know, is this a historic thing? Is it something that's always happened? Is it something that does look to be modernised? Rafe Beckett was suggesting in France, instead of being say six weeks, it's more like three weeks, mm. uh, which gives a better opportunity. That it strikes me as something. You know, the, the the British Horse Racing Authority doesn't want to be reactive all the time. But it strikes me as something that's worth a look at, um, because clearly if you get two-year-old races and you're in the autumn, you know, Kinross, the, a horse of, uh, of uh, Rafe's, uh, that hadn't run by the time the, the race originally closed. And then it ran and possibly would have been a candidate. Uh, I think that's probably, it was along those lines that uh, that he was talking. But I, I think it's probably something that's fair enough to
0: have a look at, isn't it? And does
2: anyone really know why we do early closing races? Well, is to
1: generate as big a prize pot as possible,
0: isn't it? I think that's right and also to spread the load, I think, uh, a bit. Um, as Cornia says, they've been around forever. It's not something that I've ever spent a lot of time looking at. Um, so it, it, it's got to be a sensible thing to have a look if there are people that are unhappy about it. Equally, I think to somehow link that to... Um, the, the, the outcome of who's, who's declared for the race. Mm. Uh, it seems like a big stretch and uh, I think Rafe is, Rafe is joining dots without necessarily having the evidence to, to join them up and I think some, the BHA having a proper look at it would be a better idea.
1: And there were eight different trainers represented last year, just two trainers represented this year. Yeah, so it could which be is, a blip, couldn't it?
0: Which is, which is, you know, I don't think anybody would say that's a great outcome, but equally it's, it may have nothing to do with um, the entry process right negative media i'm not quite sure what you wanted to talk about but i'm going to hand it to
2: you well i I think the the point is this the general media the 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 racing media itself channels like this uh the itv coverage etc is noticeably strong at the moment and your deadly rivals as well going going really well but the wider media It's hard to see any sort of great love for horse racing at the moment, Uh, you know, look at the newspapers. People say, well, newspapers are are on the way out, which they might well be eventually, but that's linked into websites as well. I just don't think there's a great deal of love. Uh, I think it's something that needs to be addressed. I actually uh, took Nick Rust aside at the... that sounds really pompous, sorry. I had a word with Nick Rust at the... that sounds equally pompous. I spoke to Nick Rust, uh, the, the, the chief executive at the horse race writers' lunch last year and said, you know, know, uh, the, the Times has just stopped uh, having a, a racing correspondent in the summer. The The Sun dropped a, a very long-established uh, uh, guy as well. Others are talking in media centres about sort of clinging on to an extent by their their fingertips, and it's something that needs to be addressed. I don't think there's a magic. I don't think there's a magic solution. I do know though that the BHA has commissioned a paper on the subject. I don't think it's anything for a paper. Papers are the things that governments put to like reviews put together when they. They want to delay everything uh, they take forever the fact is that this is nearing a crisis and it's something that uh, I, I don't think there's a silver bullet but it needs a look at can you solve it in 20 seconds
0: um, uh, all I'd say is I, I'm, I'm I'm not quite in Cornelis's position on this uh, I think this is something we've talked about ever since I came involved in racing and yet the the nationals still do quite a lot of coverage they still mostly cover the cards which has always been an issue are they're going to drop the cards um, it is still the when the big events when the big stories happen, they cover them. Um, they do it in a different way. Yes, the whole, the whole nature of um, sports journalism, sports reporting has changed and racing has to support that. But I still see the big stories being covered and I still see most of them putting some resources behind it.
2: And uh, I know we've gone past the two minutes. Very quick thing. I, I looked yesterday at the Times, the racing page of the Times. Mm-hmm. So it was a double page tabloid. It had race cards, race cards and a bit by Paddy Von Burr, uh, on the right-hand side. Two of those race cards were then off. So you've got a massive part. Sports editors look at that two-page, it looked pretty ugly anyway, Mm -hmm. all these cards crammed in, two of them immediately redundant. I do think racecourses have to be a bit more realistic about their prospects. The fact is, uh, the Racing Post yesterday morning, the headline was Glorious Cheltenham and hardly a mention of Doncaster and Newbury. I think they knew what was going on. Uh,
1: Let's talk about um, race clashes. Ruby Walsh in his column in Ireland talked about this earlier in the week to try and adapt the race time, so sort of have 2 minutes past the hour, 8 minutes past the hour, 13 minutes, unusual times if you like, so as to slot in all the English and Irish races and to reduce clashes. So essentially, like they do in America and like they do at some, some Greyhound meetings, we could be a little more flexible. Are you in favour of that flex in order to accommodate? all?
0: Absolutely. I, I think I think it's very important that uh, um, that there's a kind of sensible um, webbing of the, the um, British and Irish racing. That's always, there's always that's always been a, a, a challenge. Um, for some reason, we seem to it seems to have slightly got more complicated over the last year or two. Um, but Why I th- is that I think that's a good question. I don't I don't know the answer to that. But I think it, I, I've got to believe that if everybody gets together and works on it, and maybe some ideas that you're talking about, I think it, I think it should be solvable. I don't think it's a, it shouldn't be a difficult problem.
2: There are lots of races, of course, that don't clash. So, you know, I, I think you're absolutely right. There do seem to be more cases recently. But, um, you know, there must be an element of bad luck about the uh, the whole thing. I just wonder about this particular issue. It's a bit like in politics. Well, people talk about the Westminster bubble. Everyone's talking about it in the Westminster bubble. People are talking about it in the racing bubble. Are people outside really worrying? And, of course, there's the old joke about <laughs> going to the dentist at 2.30, uh, which, uh, which might, wouldn't work at 2.32.
1: Well, indeed, it wouldn't work at 2.30. <laughs> Is there a deeper issue here, Simon? As regards the BHA, are only responsible for administering British horse racing. They're not responsible for administering Irish horse racing. Is there an element of heels being dug in here? I think
0: think? that probably is part of it. Um, uh, That didn't used to be the case when Irish was on one channel. It seems to be more of an issue now that it's on another. Um, But you know, in the end, we all benefit by having it uh, having it all working for the punter. I mean, the end. You know, the punter and the viewer is what we've got to care about. Where I think it would one thing that would definitely help that is if the government extended the levy to a foreign rate betting on foreign racing in the UK, which is what used to happen, and then we've all got a stake in in maximizing those revenues. That's yes.
1: very neat sign. Nicely yeah, done. In. Very Nicely neat done. Um, let's, uh, let's talk about Kenboy who's banned mm. from running because uh, of the scandal involving his syndicate owners, some of whose members have come out vociferously and said Uh, that the number of members in the syndicates being misrepresented, that they haven't been paid any prize money and as such Horse Racing Ireland have um, enforced the ultimate sanction, they've banned the horse from running until this is resolved. And he's the favourite for the Cheltenham Gold Cup. Um, So clearly that's very significant.
2: Um, It's under investigation so I'm not going to get involved in uh, the rights and wrongs of Supreme. But what it has brought in, well it's worth saying obviously Ken Boy, the Cheltenham Gold Cup favourite, so as well as the owners, thousands of people looking forward to seeing him in action, whether that will be later rather than sooner, we imagine that may well be the case. I think the other important thing though is the whole syndicates thing. Syndication of racehorses has been the most revolutionary thing in racing probably, as revolutionary as anything of well, the last half Well, it's been a bit of century. a lifeline to, to, yes. to supporting to, ownership. Well, so A to the sport, B to the trainers, C obviously to the jockeys and stable staff on top of that. And, and uh, D means that thousands of people have been able to enjoy themselves for relatively modest amounts of money. If people were to walk away, I don't think anyone has necessarily walked away from racing because of any alleged corruption scandals or corruption uh, in the past. But I think if suddenly people, uh, ordinary people like you and I who are in syndicates, suddenly thought we were being conned and that the regulation wasn't good enough, that could have a far worse effect on racing than than, uh, supposed corruption scandals.
0: That that would be my take. Is is, I think um, syndicate ownership has got to be something that we've really got to promote in racing I think it's a great way to get people engaged in the sport for for, for not much money and therefore as as a sport we need to do everything we can to make sure that uh, that it's as credible and has integrity as, as possible. So
1: it needs to be regulated essentially, you can't stop up a syndicate. I don't know whether
0: or. it needs to regulation and what sort of regulation it needs but I think that's an area that needs to, the, the sport needs to pay a lot of attention to. And let's hope this can be resolved as quickly as
1: possible because at the moment the Cheltenham Gold Cup favourite. Is on the sidelines. It's not Mania. It's Mania. It's Ryan Mania who has made who has made a comeback. We heard from it's one tomorrow, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Who, we heard from one great um, uh, comeback queen earlier, Haley Turner. Comebacking well, he, th- they Ryan must Mania.
2: be it'd be a photo finish. Who's had more comebacks between Haley and uh, and Ryan Mania. Because he's they already the, come back
0: like, twice, I will yeah. um,
2: I tell you what, though, racing owes Ryan Mania uh, I'm really pleased he's coming back. Uh, it, uh, I think his part in modern racing history can't be underestimated. In 2013, when the, as has been well documented, the Grand National had had a couple of very very challenging years. It desperately needed a good result uh, in uh, in 2013. It wasn't a good result. To for punters because it was a 66-1 to 1 shot. But Aurora's encore, with Ryan Manier riding, young jockey, very photogenic, very chatty, um, great name, Mannier. you know, immediately the name jumped off the page. First Scottish-born jockey to win since 1896 mm. or something like that. Uh, he played a massive part in that, along with Sue and Harvey Smith, the, the trainers, along with Jim Beaumont and Douglas Pride and David van der Hooven, who were the, the owners of the horse. It was a fantastic package with Ryan. Ryan Mania right at the front with Auroras Encore,
1: so great to see him back. And the Grand National, as you know, Simon, outgoing chief executive of the Jockey Club, is still the most important horse race in this country. It, it still is far. the
0: most watched. It's the you know it's the biggest selling newspaper day. Coming back to newspapers, said newspapers yeah, sell I more. That day the than
1: newspapers like the
0: Grand the, you National. know, the, for the Grand National, I think it's great to have somebody you know who's won it back in the sport. All I can say is you know if if uh, I, I look back at the days when I you know and he's challenged to getting 11 stone, you know I look back on that and think, <laughs> wow, that uh, that'd be quite quite a time, wouldn't it?
1: I think all of us can identify <laughs> yes. and empathise with <laughs> yes, that. And I bet he yes. and his stepfather-in-law,
2: um, Sandy Thompson, uh, that they will be one of the, the really formidable partnerships, I'm sure, in the north of England and Scotland in the, in the National Hunt season ahead.
1: And I think we, one thing we found out in the last few years is that, uh, as I said to Hayley earlier, retirement <laughs> isn't necessarily the, uh, the ultimate um, end of your career. Those were this week's Talking Points.